This podcast should not be considered as medical advice. If you are looking for medical advice, then please contact a licensed professional. But do find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Sun Tzu, military strategist and philosopher, author of The Art of War. 500 BC. I saw a tweet this morning from Dr. Jordan Peterson, who was responding to a tweet from Vice President Kamala Harris. She was sending out a call to action around codifying the Roe versus Wade into law to protect a woman's constitutional right to choose abortion. Peterson commented, how about the right of Americans to decide what is injected into their bodies? Yes, I know it was weird coming from a Canadian, but let's keep going. We've all heard this argument comparison since not long after the pandemic began. It could be considered low-hanging fruit by many. It is certainly an interesting juxtaposition of discussion. The world has been completely polarized, or at least that's what the marketing says has happened. I find the daily conversations I get into as more nuanced and flexible, but that may just be a side effect of my geography. But I will say that the posted word on the socials seems to echo this polarized predicament. The comments on the Jordan Peterson Twitter response were the opposite of nuanced. People either proclaiming they've ne- they'll never get the jab, or they're in the it's not against the law to get the vaccine, but you or to not get the vaccine, but you do need to deal with the consequences if you choose that type of fare. I, for one, believe that nuance does exist and exists in droves, but what if we looked at these polar opposites and inspected them? First, there is the pro-vaxxers that are also pro-choice when it comes to abortion. They do not see the dilemma because an abortion is between the woman and whatever they or we determine is inside of their body, The unvaccinated can supposedly infect many others that may not recover from the illness, and this makes the shot a must-have to participate in normal life. It's just the price you pay to be part of society, and if you don't wish to, then you need to separate yourself from everyone else to learn and learn to live with not having as many options for what you do with your life. But there are a lot of assumptions in this that we aren't allowed to explore. In this podcast, we've discussed how the paradigm of germ theory is still that, a theory. What if solid data exists to prove out terrain theory and disprove germ theory? Is it not possible that the market and government regulators have allowed an industry to take some very limited efficacy and market it as the holy grail of health over many decades? And now we are at a point where they are pointing to their or where they are simply pointing to their manufactured track record of manipulation as the very reason we are supposed to trust them. With the number of shots that are adding up for what is needed to be considered fully vaccinated, I wonder why more people aren't at least allowing the discussion. Even if they were more strong-willed about it early on, will they literally line up for a jab on a monthly basis if it comes to that? 
And then there's the hardcore pro-life camp that is pro-choice on the shot on the other side. They are actually using the abortion pro-choice argument, which would seem to strengthen the case for pro-choice abortion. My body, my my choice. Obviously, it's tongue-in-cheek, but it's still not productive. The pro-life camp obviously says that pro-life is pro-life because another soul is involved in an abortion, but if they understood that the germ theory crowd looks at all potentially infected souls as the equivalent of an unborn baby, it would make more sense. Just thinking about both groups is a bit mind-numbing, even as I type this. It's as if each issue only exists in a vacuum. To me, it's almost like disagreement exists just because they think they hate each other. So both sides have problems, and I find it interesting that one of the biggest stories in the news is what's going on with the potential challenge to Roe v. Wade in the Supreme Court right now. Isn't it weird how things come together to enhance the separation of us all in a time where coming together and discussing would be the most helpful solution? It almost feels like a bit of a setup, doesn't it? I know the Twitter comments are often those people that just camp out online to piss and moan, but there are a lot of other people that are just reading the Twitter tea leaves. I'm one of them. I don't ever comment, but I see what the discussion looks like. So how do we tell a better story to get people to be vulnerable and open to the conversation? open up to the nuance. We need people to understand that there are no silver bullets and that freedom shouldn't just be important to preppers that live in the boonies. Fabiola, how are you doing? Hey, Leo. So, uh, what did you think of that? I I had a few uh, reading errors. I definitely need to get some glasses. (laughs) (laughs) I gave you the phone number for the eye doctor. Yeah, I. I, I'm trying to help you. You you got to give me a little slack. You know, it was a little traumatic weekend with almost uh, flooding the basement. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yes, that was pretty traumatic. But we did. We did not flood the we basement. We did not. Okay? Uh, we were just a Thanks hair away from it. Thanks to my smarts. Yeah, yeah. And my contacts. It was also your decision that got us into it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we needed a filter change. Well, that's true. That's true. But I do have a question about your article. Yeah. Did you see any, any posts that were talking about these jabs not preventing infection and transmission? You mean in the comments? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were there was some of that. It was mainly, you know, you, you have to think... Because um, I think that kind of nullifies the the argument. Yeah, I mean... Completely. Well, the, well, In my head, anyway. We could also go back to the never seeing the virus thing, too. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. they're almost infinite. But that is a little far-fetched. I think most people by now know that the, the jab doesn't prevent the whole... Well, I mean, they're infecting whatever that I think know. they've done a pretty good job with, you know, the the lion's share, you know, we're going to we're going to talk in some of these clips that we're going to play later about, I think, uh, David Martin quoted something like 47% of people like in the US have rolled up their sleeve, you know, mm-hmm. to get the jab. I mean, if we believe, if we believe the numbers, numbers. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, I think that um, the, a lot of the people, you know, they're taking whatever rationalization that they can. And, you know, they're they're putting out there, I don't know how many times I've gotten talking points around, you know, uh, yeah, it may not um, eliminate transmission, but mm-hmm. it does significantly reduce it. So a lot of people believe that it significantly reduces it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, even though there's a lot of data to the contrary there. Um, and, that's, and they're saying that. 
you know, they're saying that, that, that you limit uh, transmission by, by being vaccinated. So that's certainly something that I've heard. There's, what, 50 studies saying the contrary? The contrary, yeah, if not And maybe more. one study saying, you know, so the opposite. Now, you, you uh, had that quote from Sun Tzu. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Sun Tzu. Is that is it? Well, I, everybody I've ever <laughs> heard know. say it is Sun Tzu, but did you hear it? Apparently, it's Sun Tzu. Did you hear that in, in an interview? Or was yes, that, you know? I did. I've been ta- I mean, thinking about the art of war quite a bit and how this is all playing out. It, it feels like we've been trying to do movie nights with the kids, and we're just watching Avatar the other day. And the more that we watch these movies, the more we see the art of war in them and the propaganda. Like Avatar had this military dude that was basically trying to inspire all the the soldiers with fear. They are going to kill you or they're they, the terrorists. Well, yeah, yeah, they're the terrorists. And I'm we like, we have to fight terror with terror. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. How did we not see that before? Well, well I think we knew at the time because, you know, when that came out, that was 2009. So we were now, um, what, three years into the, uh, the war in the Middle East, you know, at uh-huh. that point. And so, uh, I mean, not knowing that it was going to go on, you know, literally just up until this past uh, summer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we just pulled troops out in, in, in a glorious uh, uh, uh-huh. strategic move. Anyway, we won't get Let's into that. Let's go, Brandon. Uh, but, but um, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the, what do you call it? The, um, I lost my train of thought there. We were talking about... No, uh, you're talking about terror with terror. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he also, he also mentions, uh, um, you know, he, he's just putting, telling those people one side. He's, he's telling them exactly what they need to hear in order to go out and indiscriminately kill. Yeah. You know? Destroy and kill. There, there's no nuance. Mm-hmm. It's they're just savages, and they don't know what it's like to be a modern being that needs to utilize resources to create technology and all mm-hmm. that. I mean, there's a lot, but, but my point I was getting at with the, with the Iraq war when I lost my train of thought was that um, I think James Cameron, Cameron was, was really trying to draw a link to what the military was doing over in Afghanistan mm-hmm. and Iraq and all of that, you know, like they, they are the people who live in the stone age, especially in Afghanistan, you know, they're all living in mountains, you know, in, in, in little uh, uh, huts that they've built, you know, yeah. we, we need to come to them and we need to bring them democracy mm-hmm. and technology and all of this. Yeah, the dictatorship. And, uh, and, you know, he even uses when, when they do the final battle scene, um, when they're going in to destroy the, uh, um, the, the holy place of the uh, Navi, I think is what they mm-hmm. were called. They uh, um, they called the the operation shock and awe, which was what, which was what George Bush called the the initial uh, going into Iraq yeah. was, was shock and awe, where they bombed the hell out of the city and uh-huh. all of that. I just thought that was quite intriguing. But there was a lot of other things throughout that movie that when you start to become aware of the the uh, the psychology you see which it. is really always the same it is very similar like this yeah. minority they are really overplaying their hand yeah because you see it everywhere now 
Well, and, and I wonder with a lot of uh, the people who listen, you know, when you go back and, and maybe you're not in the habit of going back and looking at older films, you know, because mm-hmm. you're busy and, and you just, you might catch, right. you might catch something new, but you, you don't go back and watch older films. But mm-hmm. I, I, I tell you, it's quite intriguing. And this has been this way for me for years. Um, you know, because uh, I've been looking at things with a different eye. You know, we had our guest Robert Phoenix on mm-hmm. uh, a, a couple episodes back, and a big thing that he used to do was was write these blog posts about the psychology in movies and, mm. and the symbolism and all of that that they would interject, and it just blew me away. And so I would see these movies with a, in a new light, and going back to them and watching them again was quite eye opening. Yeah, I was, and and on top of that. This weekend, we were helping our son with his seventh grade project, and they were talking about South Africa. That that was the um, country he chose for his theme. And it was all about, you know, Mandela, the apartheid, how the country got colonized. Same stories. It's, they were, you know, the colonizers come in, and they kind of get this belief around with religion that... The black population, the natives, had to believe that they were inferior. And how best to do that than through religion, cults, religions, right? And the fear that if you don't believe this, you're going to go to hell. And the only way those tyrants or these colonizers or these powers that be they can't get their plan accomplished or their takeover accomplished is by recruiting people to help them out yeah so like the military guy the in the movie telling the soldiers the only way they could accomplish that destroy things throw bombs do all that is by recruiting same thing with the population like you have the media to recruit so that people, you know, in hospitals, for example, you know, hospitals are getting tons of money from the government to push the narrative. I can only imagine some of the, the brainwashing, you know, through uh, uh, whether it's, you know, literature or emails or... Oh, it's or, constant. Yeah. The propaganda is constant. And... But you give them, you give them money. You entice them with something. Here, you get this, but then you got to do well, well, a bunch of other stuff. And I think a good tie-in here, you know, because we're we're used to seeing, you know, kind of to 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 dovetail back to Avatar. You know, that was more traditional warfare, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, they're going out there fighting hand to hand to hand to remove a people from their area to be able to acquire those resources mm-hmm. and whatnot, but. You know, we're seeing now a very different type of warfare. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not so different actually. It's just a little more um, refined because the book, the talking points of the book, Sun Tzu, Samsa, <laughs> talks about is the spread of fake news. He also talks about the highest form of war being uh, defeating the enemy without fighting. You have emphasis on intelligence over brute force um you have the art of deception 
And the more we dig into the science behind this pandemic, the more we see the deception. I mean, nobody's seen the virus. We talked so much. Well, and the, and the deception is also the confusion. The confusion, right? which we'll talk about the confusion too, and the deceit and manipulation through media, through propaganda and using every situation as an advantage which is interesting i was trying to to google uh the art of war in the age of the pandemic and i typed the art art of war pandemic to see what kind of hits i would get you did that in google i did well i did I did in DuckDuckGo, okay. but I have noticed now DuckDuckGo and Google are pretty much the same. They've changed their algorithm, so I can't trust them anymore. And it really feels like communist China because all I got was basically propaganda on my search. And I did hit like a study that was out in PubMed that talked about uh, COVID-19, the art of war in COVID-19. And it was basically just the article about like the virus being the enemy, oh, right, you know, right. how we fight. So it was completely useless, almost like one of those you know, nuggets they put out there. If you were thinking about this situation being like the art of war, the book, <laughs> look, the, we are applying that, but not in the way yeah. that you would think. But let's, more. let's get you back to thinking what we want you to be thinking. Yeah, about, exactly. Yeah. And it's so disheartening. But back to the art of war. We This week we ran into... A video by Dr. Lee Merritt, which is a former military doctor, and she's been studying biological warfare. And I, she talked about the art of war, and she talked about Stockholm Syndrome, and about the confusion, and I thought it was very... Her being a military doctor, being in the military, and understanding all these tactics and strategies, I thought it would be a good clip with good content for our listeners to understand how that applies to the pandemic. Now, this initial clip, though, is kind of a setup clip. We kind of need to get this out. It's a short clip. She's mm -hmm. talking about some mice. I will also mention that um, on this particular broadcast that we got these from, which was COVID revealed, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. That, that uh, the audio for her was actually very low and we weren't able to really improve it. So you might need to turn your your speakers up because uh, she's lower bit. than we are. Okay, but she's talking about she is this shorter clip before the longer clip where she's talking about the art of war or the confusion. It's just to give you some reference because she's going to mention a study that was done with mice in Australia, and we just wanted to give you some context with this first clip. And did you mention that that uh, she's uh, studied? Um, was it biological warfare? Yeah, I mentioned that. Yeah, okay, gotcha. All right, hang on a second. One of the things is, and I, this is in Australia, this was done. They wanted to get rid of the mice population. And so they, they created these self-disseminating vaccines, self-disseminating. So, and they were immunocontraceptives. They were self-disseminating vaccines that, that went to the ovaries of mice and sterilized them. So they would capture some mice, they would vaccinate them, they'd become sterile, the, the female mice's ovaries were destroyed. Then they would let them back into the wild and they would go out and they would rub up against other mice and they would shed on those mice. Mm -hmm. 
S-H-E-D, shed. Yeah. And, the, and the shedding would then transfer that vaccine to those mice that would then become sterile and they transfer it to another group of mice that would become sterile. And so uh, they, they can sterilize a huge population from just trapping a, a smaller population. Yeah, so let's unpack that for just a little bit. And we're not saying that what she's saying is what's happening right now. Okay, it's just the context. Again, I am not even, I'm not afraid of the unvaccinated, uh, or, or the unvaccinated, the, the vaccinated, the vaccinated, or the people that received the shot. I'm not afraid. I, I don't know. In my mind and in my body and in my heart, I'm like. I'm just going to be human because it's kind of pointless to be scared at this point. You know, let's just be together. Let's take care of ourselves. And she's not saying that that's what's happening. If you listen to the whole interview, she's just kind of speculating that that happened. So let's go ahead and play the next clip where she kind of references this information in passing. Dude, there's two things to say here. One is that our military knows about this. The Chinese military knows about this, the concept of unrestricted warfare, where warfare is not just against, it's not just like the Napoleonic battles anymore. It's not even like the Taliban anymore. We're at the point of warfare where you might not even recognize you're at war. It's not just that you don't recognize the enemy and it's, it's kind of weird warfare, but it's you may not even recognize you're being attacked systematically because you're at war with somebody and that mm. somebody's not known to you. But, but the Chinese, they have doctrine, and they, they've written about it extensively. Xiao and Wang wrote the book, Unrestricted Warfare, in 1999, two PLA colonels. And they talk about multidimensional economic war, political war, psychological war, bio war, chemical war, nuclear war, all of these things. I mean, uh, 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 religious war. You can, whatever you want is on the table. You know, it's no longer there's a Geneva Convention. It's all off the table. We can do whatever it takes, and we do it subtly. And, and um, you know, when it comes to things like this, they have a great quote. I was just quoting it. Let me see if I can find it really quickly. This is from Colonel Zhao and Wang. And they say, some morning, people will awaken to discover with surprise that quite a few gentle and kind things have begun to have offensive and lethal characteristics. Mm. Now, what they're talking about there is a couple, it, it could be a, many things, but I think part of this is what started this was a contact pathogen. I don't think we started this with a, with a, virus that was airborne. I think the spike protein was made into a contact pathogen that got it started in three cities, Wuhan, Lombardy, and New York City. And then it went through this phase of shedding, just like they knew how to do with the mice. So it looked infectious. And then it kind of died out because that's when we had the, the death curve went down. But now we had the psychological operation take place. And then we're in the psychological phase of the war. And we're being attacked psychologically. Classic psychological manipulation. Albert Biederman wrote this book on brainwashing, and this is the, the chart of coercion. It's exactly what happened to us. We all got uh, isolated, lockdowns. Mm -hmm. Now think about the word. Lockdown is not what we do in medicine. We talk about quarantine, and never once since time immemorial in Hippocrates have we quarantined the well. We always quarantine the sick, not mm -hmm. the well. But lockdown, that's a term you use for prisoners. So we were put into lockdown, and then we were monopolizing of the perception now we were fed non-stop you know people that might have watched cnn or some news thing for 30 minutes a day now we're watching it non-stop because they're afraid 
right? right? And they're they're cut off. It makes you afraid because you're cut off from your friends and relatives, and you don't have somebody whispering in your ear, "Don't worry, it's just BS." You know, you don't have any any counter arguments. It's all this stuff coming off the mainstream media, and you're getting more afraid. And then when when so you're isolated, you're afraid, and then what happens? Then we have Dr. Fauci, who's his his first job was the bag man. He was the guy that funneled the money to all these hospitals to get them all controlled. And if they step out of line and talk about hydroxychloroquine, they lose their funding next year and will go crashing down. So he's got the whole control system going. That was his primary job. But his secondary job was the doctor of confusion. So he starts talking about how, oh, you know, only medical people need to wear a mask. No, actually, uh, everybody needs to wear a mask. And then but you only have to wear it six feet into the restaurant. Then you can take it off and you can, you know, it's just nonsense. Oh, no, you need several masks. And uh, we might need to be masked up forever, even when you get vaccines. And so that kind of confusion added to fear gives you anxiety. And that's what produces Stockholm syndrome. You know, that's what produces people that are so afraid they'll do anything that their captors want them to do, including running out and getting a vaccine they know nothing about, they've read nothing about, they, they, they just, they, they do more research on a used car than they did on these vaccines because they were afraid. And they're pushing, sadly enough, their, their children or their unborn to get this vaccine. It's terrible. Yep. But it's, that's because that was a psychological operation that was extremely, that was, that was right by the book and extremely effective. In the course of all this masking nonsense, do you know that there was a major, uh, I think it was a New England journal, it may have been JAMA, I got to look that up, but I read the publication and in big bold letters, it's talking about the utility of masks for healthcare workers. And it said, even though they really have not been shown to stop the disease or diseases of this kind, they act as a, as a talisman. They make our people feel better. So essentially in the middle of all this mask nonsense, when people are being mandated to do it, they're publishing medical literature saying, we know it doesn't work. It's just a good luck charm. It's just a rabbit's foot. Just a rabbit's foot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talked about all that already. And that's kind of the mask thing. That's how she got into uh, involved in the whole rabbit hole of the pandemic. And how does that relate to military intelligence and all that? She, she talked about Stockholm Syndrome, which is a condition in which host hostages develop the psychological bond with their captors during captivity. So she's talking about the lockdown being a military term, not a, and you never put away the, 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 the well, you only put away the sick. So from right there, they're kind of tipping their hand. And saying, okay, we're going to put you home. Now we're going to uh, get you in front of the TV so you know what's going on. So you keep listening and you create that bond, you know, that trust with the media, with the establishment, with uh, the bag man, Dr. Fauci, <laughs> so that you can be deceived. And so you can buy into this narrative. So then you can do what you were told. Well, and I think what's really interesting to me is, you know, we, we're seeing these drastic and draconian measures unfolding, you know, in countries like Australia, um, New Zealand, Austria, Germany. And, you know, we can even give those uh, videos, we can show people and go, I mean, isn't this uncalled for? I mean, mm -hmm. come on. And, and I would tell you, like clockwork, you get the response, you say, well, look, those are different countries, you know, and, and quite honestly... Uh, yeah. They like Australia doesn't have that many cases or that many deaths. And if we would have gotten our act together, 
originally you know we're we're yes not you, you know but this is what i'm saying is i yeah. mean they can be confronted so it's almost like every situation is necessary to show mm-hmm. why we should be doing what There's we should be doing why we should be following and falling in line yeah and there's uh, always a spinning and explanation and because we don't watch mainstream media we don't know what that messaging is but i even remember my parents are pretty pretty big advocates of mainstream media and they pretty much listen 24 7 even when they go to sleep they listen. yeah they just have it on and they it's like- just have it on and i remember when we were in brazil my mom was talking about ivermectin because on the radio shows that she was listening to they were actually saying good things about ivermectin and i was talking to my brother just the other day and he was showing my mom some study on ivermectin and a bell curve and how it was working and my mom turns to him and says isn't that fake news really and we were totally confused of we're like but you're just saying ivermectin was great and now what happened so i bet you the messaging she's been listening to has totally flipped yeah and and i mean i still don't know if she decided to go for the the jab or not because she won't tell me but she's at that level we can't even talk about it anymore yeah oh really can't even bring it up and and i mean it's it's what she was saying you know it's just the messaging you can't compete with that messaging well and if you're in that anxiety you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like they're saying if you're in that anxiety and which is addictive to you it is it is addictive addictive. i mean talked about that it's it's just nutty um and you know i go back to what i wrote in the beginning about the you know the the pro-abortion, pro-life mm-hmm. versus pro-vax, anti-vax, or pro-choice vax, whatever. I mean, it's just so interesting about how mi- how much similarities the the discussion have. However, they're really different conversations. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. They shouldn't be. Uh... Yeah, I've got my water here. Just go ahead and jump in for me here. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You want me to? What do you want me to say? No, no. I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was very attentive to what you were saying, trying to be a good listener. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I'm, I'm having some technical difficulties. Some technical difficulties. You talk too much. But you know, going back to that programming and how you can compete with it, and how the art of war works, and how the psychological war. So there's psychological war. There's the divide and conquer. There's the confusion, and there's also the the conversation about okay, like we're being programmed. And we're being turned into from humans to machines, maybe through this jab, which the the whole mRNA technology idea, even if you go to Moderna's website or you go to Pfizer, they talked about it's an operating system. You're basically hijacked, hijacking your cells to, stri- to start producing the synthetic um, spike protein or whatever that is, which we don't even really know what that is. But we know that it was generated in a computer and turning our body into a machine to create something that's actually not human. Yeah. Well, and and, and uh, I did remember my thought th- okay, th- that I was it. going, but but it, it was that you know with the with the these two groups on the abortion side and and the the uh, pro choice from a vaccination standpoint, even though there are 
there are limitless subcategories of people, you know, who believe things in between. You know, we're to believe there are really two camps, right? There are conservative pro-lifers who don't want the vaccine, and then there are uh, liberal um, pro-vaxxers who do want the vaccine and they want abortion as well. So, you know, it, that's really all you're allowed to really discuss and then mm-hmm. either take one side or the other, even though there's yeah. many uh, uh, phases in between. But I thought it was intriguing if we looked at something like the Trump presidency. You know, this is where I come down to, you know, I say, hey, look, you know, Trump has this opportunity, especially with as bad a job as, as Biden's doing, to really be a uniter, you know, mm-hmm. and he really doesn't seem like he's doing it. You know, he's 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 still being incendiary and all of that. And I get it. I mean, that certainly plays to his base. But I mean, it's not growing. You know, it's not it's not putting out extending the olive branch because certainly you have a lot more people now who are looking at the situation a little bit more. Uh, um, you know, with a little more discerning eye. I mean, mm-hmm. and and you know, he has that opportunity. But so so to me, it almost kind of proves the point. Like. Uh, you know, because I think what, what a lot of people were thinking is that, you know, we had these these people coming in as as presidents um, and they were uh, uh, all kind of chosen. And then Trump was this kind of outlier that just happened by accident. Mm-hmm. And now they're trying to correct. And I'm not sure that I I mean, I think I, I was once in a place where I believe that I'm not sure I believe that anymore. I mean, I actually am kind of more like Trump's part of the problem too mm-hmm. and and uh because uh, again he could be that uniter but instead he's he's he was the amplification of the polarization problem and it really just pushed everybody to the walls on either side mm-hmm. and and now there's this chasm and that even though people sit in these places of nuance which was the point i was really trying to make in that editorial at the beginning you know we just can't do it anymore. So it's almost like it's almost fitting that Trump was that last presidency to before the pandemic. And it really created that Uber division. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the media I mean, the fomented division, that. I think the division is always there is this constant mechanism to, you know, black versus white, abortion pro-life but, but i mean that's a, not, not as a mechanism that you and i operate on but as a mechanism as the system runs on yeah 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 certainly so but but i'm saying though that uh trump was a caricature uh i mean he was he was a caricature to his own device because he made himself out to be this larger than life character you know and then the media took that and ran with it and then they just you know choked it like a chicken right and, and said okay we're gonna we're gonna turn him into this you know uh, dr evil mm-hmm. you know and and uh, uh he's certainly not the most inspirational person but he's not the uh, he's not the villain that the media made him out to be either and so uh, uh i think he's a villain in some other way. Well, no, 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 no. He, he's, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> but I get you. They're all villains. I'm just yeah. saying the story we were given is not what it is. However, at the same time, it was that jolt of polarization that really just pushed every. If everybody was just kind of apart, now there is this this chasm. Is my point? Really? From 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 the Trump presidency mm-hmm. and what the media was able to do with that. Um, but there is also some awakening that came from the shock. 
a lot of people started really seeing things for what they were. You know, elections are really selections. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the media says is probably not what you should be listening to. <laughs> certainly, certainly. Um, but then you you were making the point there about uh, the um, the dehumanization. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What this war is really doing? I mean, I think wars are always dehumanizing but this war is different because it's not like the iraq terrorist or any other war that we've seen it's really a it's unconventional it's unconventional it's covert where you don't know who the enemy is well first you you can't there's the invisible enemy which is a virus but then there's the invisible enemy that's pulling the strings too and they're not I mean, I think they're desperate, as we have proven throughout the season with everything that we share. They're, re- they're really trying to, you know, stronghold, well, I mean, strong arm even, people. Even Dr. Merritt, you know, she's kind of talking about this angle with the, the Chinese, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, you know, when we take a look at it that way, we're looking at this in a very nationalistic sense. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, it's, it's these nationalist entities that are you know competing with one another the Mm -hmm. united states versus uh, china but i mean i think that that what we've really learned uh you know over many years but it's it's become very clear is that yeah that may be the uh the visible pretext but you do have these powerful elites Mm -hmm. that are in the background and they're saying okay look you know what pushes our agenda mm-hmm. and it may be that the united states not being a superpower anymore is actually works into the agenda of the elites and saying okay look you know we need china to play the role because it as, could be that as the population but it could also be that we just we don't, we're not going to have nations anymore well, yeah, I, I, you know? I, I'm not sure I'm there I mean, yet. I, I think even, that's a little too on on the nose. I don't even think that 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 there's nations anymore because for all these government leaders to just work in tandem on lockstep, there is already this this power somewhere that you know we're not really sure who they are that is orchestrating this whole thing. Oh, I agree. But what I'm saying though they're is they're all that, like singing to the same tune. But but, so. what, but what I'm saying is is we still. I think there's another divide and conquer right there. You know. Well, the divide and Nationalist. conquer is always happening. But what I'm saying uh-huh. is is it's it's all these levels and the level of what the media is willing to talk about. You know, they're certainly willing to talk about. You know, the 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 nationalistic tendencies Mm -hmm. you know like china versus the united states they're willing to do that they're not willing to look at okay who's financing a lot of this you know who's moving things from a resources perspective behind the scenes you know Mm -hmm. so that one uh national national nationality can get an advantage over another you know we we've talked about you know during world war ii you know you had standard oil who was financing uh 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 petroleum products for both sides of the war Mm -hmm. they were producing those and selling them to the nazis as well Mm -hmm. as the american army so you know and the role of ibm which is an american company yeah exactly they were functioning wars and all the technology behind you know the the passports the vaccine passports and so so that's my point though the tracking is that we so she's kind of looking at this and she's explaining, okay, you know, this is how China operates. Or is it really the elites that are just utilizing China and, you know, their their cultural um, 
uh, uh, characteristics to mm-hmm. make it appear that there's this enemy that, that keeps the onus off of them, which, I mean, I yeah. think at this point... Keeps the distraction going. Yeah, now that we... Yeah, not saying that we even agree. I mean, Lee was talking about the shedding. She was talking about... She thought maybe this was a contact weapon. I'm like, okay, maybe. we. I mean, there's. I guess there could be some evidence there. We haven't really looked into this. It could be... To me, it's more of a, as she was saying, expand and more psychological with the propaganda, and now you can't have a cold anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's what I think. But I wanted to, to expand the conversation, conversation a little bit back to, you know, metaverse, machine, human versus machine, and, and us knowing ourselves. Do we know ourselves? Because that's, that's the first step. Do we know who we are? Mm-hmm. So do you want to play that, the, that clip? It's by David Martin. I know we've played David Martin so much, but this in this series, COVID Review, which was... I watched the whole series. It wasn't, like, amazing. It was really a lot of germ theory information. They had uh, Dr. Peter McCullough. Is that how you say Peter McCullough, yeah. Uh, on it, and oh, I'm, it was kind of disheartening listening to him even almost like defending the testing and so i don't know that i'll be listening to him anymore but it was just there was there were some really cool nuggets in the in the series and this interview with david martin was just amazing so we want to play a couple of clips for you guys all right let's take a listen to this first one here Mm -hmm. if i have authentically considered the what my life is, what my sovereignty is, what my humanity is, what, whatever your language is. If I haven't considered the, the who am I really, then what is the line between me and a machine? Right? If I get up every day, punch the clock, you know, get my coffee, go to work, work for a job I hate, also that I have the privilege, maybe, if I survive to 65, mm-hmm. of living my disease-riddled you know, asthma-riddled, diabetes-riddled, miserable existence in an RV in a trailer park in, in Provo, if that's, if that's my definition of what my amazing human existence is, haven't I already become a machine? Mm-hmm. And I think we need to look at that from a foundational standpoint because the reason why we can have a public who at 47 or 48 percent, if we believe their numbers right now, is accepting a vaccination, which isn't a vaccination, which is in fact a computer code to turn your body into a machine Mm -hmm. to create a pathogen so that you then have the mechanism of immune response respond to the pathogen you created. If that is your definition of humanity, then we left the question of humanity a long time ago. Mm -hmm. We already entered the machine age. And we're not engaging in the question that says, hey, hold on a second, don't we have a moment now to re-examine the human question, not to figure out how to avoid the machine question. Because maybe the machine question started on its journey in the Industrial Revolution, where you were part of a machine by what lever you pulled, and were you on the manufacturing line or whatever you were doing. Like, if we lost our picture of humanity a long time ago, which I think we did, then the machine question is a different one. 
And where I think this invitation sits right now is we have roughly half the population who knows somewhere in some soul level, intuition level, we, we have a knowingness that says, we're not going that way. And yes, we've been told it's the, you know, the anti-vax or it's the hesitancy or the whatever else. I like to say it's the choice to be human. And the cool thing is we have evidence that says that over half the population still has the echo, still has the memory somewhere in the cave of consciousness that goes, humanity is not about building pathogens and putting them in our bodies. Humanity is about figuring out how to increase our vitality, how to increase our connection, how to recognize the limitless nature of the field effect called the human experience. And I love the fact that for the first time, maybe in the modern story of humanity, we've been presented with this beautiful fork in the road to say, which choice do you want to make? Do you want to go down a pathway, which is the fatalistic machine digital pathway, or do you want to go down the pathway of saying, humanity has yet to build its greatest cathedral? Hmm. I do like that, that line, Ian, yeah. you know, yet to build its greatest cathedral, mm -hmm. you know. Recognizing, so that's what we talk about, the art of war, and we talk about that a lot in this podcast, of recognizing the programming recognizing the division as a tool because when you look at these these topics and when you look at these signs you can at that point see that fork in the road and you can make a decision do I want to participate do I not want to participate who am I what do I want and how do I want to see this world mm -hmm. yeah I mean much deeper questions you yeah know. much deeper questions so the the podcast sometimes gets a little dark and we're talking about we're talking about topics so that i mean not even i'm not gonna say that we're 100 percent awake i mean we get programming every day all the sure. time we have date jobs we we're not diabetic <laughs> like he was saying or we don't have any chronic illness or anything but even, even at that, like at one point, I was programmed to think the vaccines were the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we probably have a laundry list of things yeah. that we were probably I mean, like we were programmed to think that you had to have a doctor. Yeah, that know? we had to have a doctor, a pediatrician. I remember I had my first child and uh, the pediatrician that came in the hospital room, she was so rude. And I felt almost helpless she like threatened to walk out <laughs> and i'm like who does that you know i'm this very fragile state who does that you know yeah. thinking that giving all my power away and we have talked about that in this podcast too i mean how do we take back our power and how do we keep our sovereignty and and on this next clip david david was gonna talk about that our sovereignty yeah. Our choices, who are we? Yeah, so what do we do with all this information? Do we just say, okay, I'm not going to listen to any of this because this is too negative, too horrible. But I mean, how can you recognize your opponent Well, no, and if it's you're true. not willing to look at it? And I think I was telling you, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a, another group on Telegram and, and uh, we were talking about um, Allison McDowell 
and uh, uh, I might have misunderstood exactly what uh, one of the one of the guys I know had mentioned, but but it was something you know he was familiar with Alison McDowell, but he, he hadn't dove in on her research, and 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 he's like basically saying something to the tune of you know, um, you know I'm not sure I'm ready to go there. Mm-hmm. You know I'm paraphrasing here, but mm-hmm. he said it differently. Um, but, uh, um, you know, it, it's a little bleak, you know, if, if, mm-hmm. if, if we go there, so, you know, it might, yeah. it might, it might impact my worldview mm-hmm. and, and I'm, oh, and, yeah. and, and I'm thinking, um, at least when I heard that, what it meant to me, it, it's like, it, it's almost like, again, I could be totally misconsuming what he, he's, he said, cause you know, in text, it's so hard. You don't mm-hmm. get, you don't get any emotion from what people are saying or anything. But to me, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, I mean, I just want to think more positively and just hope it turns out good. And, and mm-hmm. to me, um, I, I, I find great strength in understanding all these mechanisms and even knowing how bleak it could be. Mm-hmm. It, it, it gives me a certain level of confidence because I know how I want to interact with the world. I, it, it, it highlights where I want to show up better because I know that, oh, okay, look, you know, there are these things happening and going mm-hmm. on. What's really important, you know, and, and, and it makes you focus on that. It's kind of like when you see a good movie, you know, with a sad story, it makes you kind of really respect what you have, you know, mm-hmm. the, the beautiful house that you live in, the, yeah. the beautiful children that you, you get to participate in the upbringing of and all that. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it's not really a, 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 a scary thing. You know, to know what what's happening there. Um, so I don't know any thoughts I on mean, that. I mean, it is a little scary, but it's it's in those moments, and and David's gonna talk about that a, a little bit here <coughs> in this clip. But it's in those moments that you make that choice: Am I going to acquiesce? Because I feel like a lot of people are doing it; they didn't even see it coming. <coughs> They're just doing it. They're just going through the motions. Okay, let me go ahead. I'm going to lose my job. Maybe let me just go ahead and do it. It's not that big of a deal. I, I was talking to my, my brothers this week, and they're like, you know, it probably you could have a reaction, but you probably won't. And I was like, well, yeah, but that's just just the beginning. <laughs> if you say yes now, yeah, if you it, give your power away now. Yeah, it's not going to be the last what one. What else you're are taking. you going to have to say yes to? Yeah, they're going to go. Hey, so you, you did those, this. Why don't you do these it's things those too? Fun, but it's looking at yourself and looking at your worth and seeing the value that your life has and the impact that your life has in this in this moment in this world. At this time, and deeming yourself worthy and important, and understanding that the world would not be the same without you here fully present. And I feel that those experiences, those um, situations that we're finding ourselves into, are the perfect opportunity to examine that who am I, my worth. I'm here for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we could shift the conversation in that direction. Why am I Am I here? Why do I have these beautiful children? Why do I have the job that I have? Why do I have the life that I have? Why do I have the friends that I have? Do, am I just going to go through life 
going through the motions. And I feel like the group that is going through the motion is important too, because they're just reflecting back to us, maybe something that we might want or not want, like our friends in Australia, you know, like we, if we don't get the jab, we don't get to live. I mean, and they seem like they are doing great right now. They're going through their life. They're happy, you know, but, but, but examining, is that what we want is that really what we want? Is that the direction we want to go? What is beyond that? That comfort, that convenience, right? Is that convenience worth maybe the enslavement of my children later? Or well, I mean, I, I think that... Those existential questions. Yeah, well, and I think the challenge is when, when you don't know the, the breadth of the situation or the potential breadth of the situation, then you make your decision based on the limited information and you say, mm-hmm. okay, look, I'm willing to do this. You know, I'm willing to, if it's to get the shot, I'm willing to get the mm-hmm. shot to go on with my life. But then if you realize that, okay, it's going to get to a point where you're going to be taking uh, and you're going to be giving your children, you know, potentially experimental low safety tested shots for eternity, you know, maybe mm-hmm. every every two months, every three months, mm-hmm. or whatever. Well, then you might not have made that decision. You might say, "Oh no, that's is stupid. This is this is this is not yeah. a, this is not a go forward plan. This mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. It's not scalable. It's it, it just doesn't yeah. work." Um, so you have to understand those mechanisms and the breath to be able to say, "Okay, this seems logical to do." Versus, "No, this." And the conversation with the technology, because honestly. The technology is here, right? We work in technology. We know the technology is here. It's not going away. Yeah. So, do is the is the technology even the problem, or is just a matter of consciousness? Are we at a point in human consciousness or collective consciousness that we're ready to use the technology that we have responsibly for the betterment of humanity, or are we just going to continue to go through the motions? and stay asleep and not understand that what we're going through is that that war that war against our humanity yeah i mean i i think it comes down to uh, there was a actually a, a an article i posted of course i can't find it um uh, they uh joseph dr joseph mercola wrote an article on children's health defense um and it was about Catherine Austin Fitz and, and you know what she was talking about was that you know we're, we're we not feature gonna, her in the last episode we did and and but but uh, what he was what he was referring to about her um, messaging is that you know if if we're not going to uh, really shift the way that we live meaning you know supporting the organizations that are essentially creating our prison. You know, if you if you don't if you don't know that uh, Target is funding, um, you know, bad behavior when it comes to you know medical tyranny and stuff like that, then you're going to keep going to Target mm-hmm. and you're going to keep financing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with your 401k. You know, you're going to keep putting money into a mutual fund that is going to have, uh, you know, it's going to be investing mm-hmm. in these corporations that are building these invisible fences. Mm-hmm. You know, they're keeping people out. They're setting up these rules for who can participate versus who can't. So you can you're, make more conscious choices. Yeah. You're propping them up. And I think one of the, the greatest things about, you know, 
moving out to where we moved to is that you know, you're really forced to do business most of the time with more local resources, yeah. you know, I mean, there's still some more chain oriented ones, but for the most part, you know, they're, they're local places. We still have to drive 45 minutes. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, but, uh, um, just, just think though, if everyone was saying, okay, look, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give up convenience a little bit, maybe even give up a little money savings to, invest in those more local resources, prop those people up as opposed to these convenience Get factors. to know your neighbors. Get to know your neighbors, We almost exactly. flooded our basement yesterday, and thank God, we said, thank God we live in a small community because I called the plumber. He was here in five minutes. Oh, well, he literally lives at the bottom of the hill. <laughs> because we get to know our neighbors. Yeah, yeah. And he's, yeah, that was crazy. I was it just was like, I, I remember that was like an out-of-body experience. I'm like holding <laughs> towels around this thing while Bunk the water's water. gushing out. We're bailing water. And, uh, uh yeah, I'm not even going to tell that story because that's embarrassing, you know, about how that happened. But anyway, if you if you know me personally, you'll have to ask me about that. But but you know, David Martin has a, a great um, a great clip we want to kind of end on. Yeah, we'll we we'll, wanted wanted to end on a super uplifting note. There is a uh, kind of a, a ding of a, of a text message that pops in at an inopportune time in <laughs> the in, in the recording that happens, but just. Uh, Try to disregard that, but we'll talk about it a little bit after this clip ends here, okay? But if you grew up across the last 500 years, and the stories that you were told were the people with special skills or talents were burned at the stake, or were ostracized, or were executed, or were penalized, or were left destitute, and many of those things were very public. You know, it used to be the town square where you beheaded somebody, or you burnt somebody, or you did whatever you were going to do. Epigenetically, there would be a program that would be starting to be written into your experience that goes, don't speak out, you know, don't question authority, don't do all these things, because it is an existential risk. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, the wonderful thing about this moment is I feel like epigenetically, some of those spirits of the courageous that stood on those pyres and were burnt and that had their public beheadings and all of those things. I think there's an epigenetic energy that those energies also manifest, which is, you know what? They, you know, they ended this phase of my existence, but my life moved on. I mean, Tertullian's very famous quote, you know, it's the blood of the martyrs that's the seat of the church. Well, let's play that forward. The fact of the matter is, there is, whatever we want to call it, the 47% that said yes to rolling up their sleeves. Okay, I lament that because they were the ones that watched the executions. Mm. They don't know the power because they never saw the power of being able to stand in your own power and saying, you know what, you cannot take what I cannot give you. Mm. You can't take my life because I don't identify it as mine. When I wake up, and I seriously wake up every morning with a profound kind of surprise of, I'm blessed with another opportunity to have another day. Well, you know what? You might end the flow of those days, but you didn't take my life because living for me was always the interconnectivity anyhow. So you might take the Dave bald bow tie wearing crazy. You might take him out of the scene. 
but you're not going to take my life. Because my life is the field effect that is, in fact, a persistent energy in the universe. And so, and so what I love is the invitation to have beautiful compassion, to go, I want to find ways to embrace in love those individuals who didn't have the experience of knowing the persistence I just talked about. Because I'd love to actually look at the people who acquiesce to those power systems and go, I know you said yes to the vaccine, but I think you would have rather, had you given the opportunity to have the question, I think you would have rather had dinner at my table. And if the option had been given you, you can either take the vax or you can hang out and be part of this conversation. I know half of the people that took the vaccine would have sat here rather than taking the vaccine. Why? Because they would have seen humanity. And the echo that they would have gotten in their own consciousness was, oh, hold on a minute. Yeah, that's what living was. Living wasn't the avoidance of death. Right. Living was the fellowship of that persistent energy of humanity. And they would have taken that every time. So our job is to actually, in compassion, say, how do we evidence that? So we're not going, shame on you, that was a dumb decision, whatever else. No, we're just going, man, you know what? I'd love for you to see what it's like to choose life. Well I was trying to write down that quote as he was, living was the fellowship of the uh, understanding of humanity, I believe, or something. Man, I mean, it was great. I, I we definitely have to start recording these earlier in the day. My brain just does not do well after 10 p.m. It's just well, it was just inspiring. You know, life is not about avoiding death. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, it, it, it's life is risky, but that's why it is so delicious. You know, it's because it's risky. It's not because it's predictable. And it can be taken away from us as a persistent force in the universe. That's what he said. Living was the fellowship of the persistence of humanity. Yes, that's what there he said. You there go. you go. Thank you for that. See, oh, of course. See, if we were the same person, one of us would be uh, unnecessary. Unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I well think thank you all for hanging out with us. Yeah, tonight or whatever time it is that you're listening to this and coming to eat choose to eat at our table and we're going to try to metaphorically we're going to try to record these at a better hour and be more um crisp but we love doing it and we love you listeners it's and hard to believe we're we're we're, we're encroaching on 40 episodes yeah almost we, we've now up been, season we, four we've now been doing this over a year you know, yes. it, it was, I think it was the 5th of December last year was, mm -hmm. was the episode one when we published it. Yes. So, so, uh, uh, that would, December 5th was, um, just this past week, right? It was like early this week. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so we're now over a year and did you even think. And we love it every time we do it. But did you even think when we started doing this that we'd get to 40? No. <laughs> I think our goal was 10. Was it 10? 10, 10 episodes. That was our goal. And, and 10, that felt like an undertaking. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, it was a lot of research. It was a lot of work, you know. Um, we were all over. Well, we yeah, were that was the other thing is we were, overseas. We were mobile. 
right? We so were we were mobile. setting up. Now, now we kind of have a studio, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think we, we get things rocking and rolling and we pretty get mobile. We, we might get mobile again. Might get mobile again. Who knows? Get yeah, the, but thanks get the for RV. listening. And don't forget to follow us on our Telegram group. The, the Collective Co- Resistance Podcast. You can find us there. Continue the conversation. And that's another episode with the Collective Resistance Podcast. Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Hey, everybody, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay curious. 